Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. My name is Detavio Samuels, and welcome to The Black Print, where I sit with the innovators, disruptors, and change makers, laying the groundwork for the next generation of cultural leaders. You know, Chase is a part of our story. One of the first people to say yes when we had this crazy idea of the Russell Center, we were nothing but a gutted out building with wires hanging down. It was Chase Bank. Through the ABE program, you can walk into the business, you can wake up every day confident. This is the Black Print. Here in Atlanta, Georgia, oh, got it's the only man. place to be. Jay Bailey, indeed. Man, appreciate you being here. Man, it's good to be here, brother. Welcome to Atlanta. And here we are right now on this podcast video show. I so appreciate you for coming. I'm excited for the audience to get to meet and understand more about this man right here, this King Jay Bailey. We all know that in this moment in time, black entrepreneurship is critical. Building wealth in the black community is critical. And so I'm excited to have a conversation with my brother to see how he got from wherever he started to where he is now helping black people do their thing in the entrepreneurship space. And so if you don't mind, let's take it all the way back to the beginning. Wow. And for me, the beginning is where does your um, heart or passion for entrepreneurship begin? You know, some kids been selling lemonade on ice cream stands since they were five. Some people didn't kick in until like, where does your where does yours kick in? I was riding my bike and I'm from Decatur, so I'm from Atlanta. Mm Um, I was riding my bike to the barber shop, 11 years old. I'll never forget this part of the story. And uh, Candler Road, Candler Plaza Barbershop. And when I was growing up, bro, you could have put a Bentley next to a Ferrari. And I'd have taken a Mustang GT 5.0 every day of the week. I pull up to the barbershop. And boom, there it was, a black-on-black convertible, mm-hmm. Mustang GT 5.0, and anybody from the hood will understand, triple gold Dayton's. <laughs> I lost my mind. I threw my bike down, ran into the barbershop, I was like, hey, whose car is that? I'm screaming. Mm-hmm. My barber kind of gives me the nod, Universal Brother Symbol for that's me. Turn around and count how many chairs you see in this shop. So I don't know, 10? He said, well, each one of these barbers pays me $50 a week to cut hair in my shop. Jay, you're smart, do the math. Mm-hmm. So I started doing the math. He said, hold on, before you finish, boy, I got two more shops just like this. Finish the math. Mm-hmm. So Lil' Jay Bailey was like zero, 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 <clears throat> comma, yeah. zero. Right. And he said it. He said, son, I'm an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. I own this business and I own those two other businesses. And what you need to do is find something you love and go make money doing it. Mm-hmm. That one whisper in my ear literally changed my trajectory forever. Mm-hmm. My bike ride home, I was insanely curious. Who owns the public library? Who owns McDonald's? Mm-hmm. Who owns the tire shop? Mom, dad, do we own our house? We do. Self-esteem, self-confidence goes up. Now I want to fight you if you cut through my lawn because this is our grass. That pride of ownership kicked in. So at 11 years old, you get exposed to this idea of entrepreneurship. Yes, sir. So entrepreneurship kind of sets you on fire. It is the thing that actually gets you to be passionate um, about going to college. Yep. But you're starting a business at 12. How are you learning how to run a business and manage a business before you get, because you're not learning business business education in high school. You're not learning business education in middle school unless you did, correct me if I'm wrong. Where did your business, your original business education come from? It's the hardest lesson ever learned, guys, and it's a real one. I'll I'll answer your question with a long answer. If you want to talk about innovation, 
Show me somebody more innovative on the planet than a single mother with two kids making $17,000 a year. Mm -hmm. You want to talk about enterprising? And I think the community has a role to play too. Mm, the beautiful to piece about that back in the 80s is that those kids that had to make choices based on their exposure mm. saw that I had the opportunity to take other routes mm -hmm. and they literally forbid me from going their direction. Mm. This ain't for you, Jay. Mm. Don't, I'll never want why to see you. Why were you special? Why, why did they So they you? knew that I had two parents in the home. Mm. They knew that my mom was highly involved in the community. She mm. was PTA president. They both went to college. And yes, they were both working class folks. But literally, they saw that based on their situations and when compared to mine, the brother, you have everything that we don't. Mm. And how don't even think about coming over to this side of the table because you have more options than we do. So now you finally made your way to college. What school did you go to? <laughs> the mighty University of Georgia. Question for you, which is, so now what I know is you don't go straight into entrepreneurship coming out of college. Mm -hmm. You end up developing a career in investment banking, real estate. Tell me how you get there. How do we Ooh. get from college to banking? So I was in Richmond, Virginia. I worked in sales with Hershey Foods Corporation. Um, I came back to Atlanta to take care of my grandparents because their health was failing. Um, I got into executive development, uh, then found myself in banking. And, uh, but it was there where I actually met the Russell family. Mm. And uh, Michael Russell came in to deposit a check and that relationship was born. But what happened, brother, remember I'm young, unsupervised, unmentored, and very entrepreneurial. Mm. The real estate market had exploded in Atlanta. Mm. And I had customers and clients coming in with checks for 30, 50, 100, $200,000 at a time. Mm -hmm. And what does a kid do when he sees that? He just simply asks, well, what do you yeah, do? Yeah, yeah, how'd you get that? <laughs> and so real estate investment, <clears throat> well, what's that? And so I started to get pieces of knowledge from everybody. So I was wide, I wasn't deep, I didn't really study it, but I did the math as a young, unmentored, entrepreneurial kid. I left that job and started a real estate company. <clears throat> and in that real estate company, brother, it was, um, you weren't gonna outwork me. I have a, a unnatural kind of, probably unhealthy work ethic. Mm. And even back then, I sold houses, flipped houses, built houses, commercial, residential, you name it. And uh, the, the teller was like, Mr. Bailey, do you wanna see one of our, our platform bakers? And I'm like, why would you, why? This, this wire should be no problem. She said, yeah, that's the problem. Do you realize that you have $3.47 million in your checking account? Get out. And you can do probably more things with that than just holding it in a checking account. Um, when the market crashed though, I lost everything. Mm. I went from living in a 10,000 square foot home to literally living in a nine by nine storage unit on Mountain Industrial Boulevard in Tucker, Georgia. Mm. Uh, and that was, that was, that's, that's the whole next chapter we did there. But I would like, so tell me how that felt, right? So, so yeah, I like, and I won't like, give me like the, those emotions. Tell me yeah. what it feels like to feel like I'm at the top of the top, me and my boys riding around in Hummers just cause we can. And now I go from a hundred to zero. How did that feel? But I, I think that hundred felt like zero because it was an empty hundred. Mm. And so the money and the spending and the houses and the clothes and the cars, I was medicating myself. Mm. It was probably depression, but you know, in our community, we don't deal don't well with depression. It. Don't mm. talk about it. So the money was the crutch. So the fall felt like I earned it. That's where mm. I was supposed to be. And so I didn't have this big fall from grace where I was like, how did I go from here to here? In my mind, I thought I was always supposed to be here. Mm. And so it wasn't that much of a transition. And so 
you know, the emotions that go around, I'm a firm believer that loss creates leaders. Mm. Like you've got to go through something. I think far too often most people take walking up right for granted. We're only looking straight ahead. Um, I'm a firm believer, brother, if you've never been on your back, I don't know if you've ever really seen the sun. Mm -hmm. uh, it takes that kind of being knocked down to really appreciate the grind, the hustle, the struggle, mm -hmm. and the triumph. I love that. And so, so when I when I was in that nine by nine storage unit, I had this great epiphany. By the world's standards, I've been successful. Mm -hmm. The cars, the clothes, the houses, the trappings of wealth. Uh, I was successful, but I had zero significance. Mm -hmm. I had done nothing to put a dent in this world. Uh, I'd spent 10 grand in a, a night in a club, but how was there no scholarship in my mother's name? Mm -hmm. And so through that kind of epiphany around success and significance, everything changed. Mm -hmm. Four years out of homelessness, I was helping to run a $30 million nonprofit organization in 10 countries. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we had, we had done work all over the world. I was standing up an office here in Atlanta and uh, you know, that's the next evolution towards this journey of significance, but really looking at how can I work to save community. Mm -hmm. At that point, I was immensely focused on saving community um, because I realized that the community was the only reason I got into the places that I had been. And now it was time for me to pay it back because mm -hmm. I spent a good seven to eight years of my life outside mm -hmm. and not wanting to touch and not wanting to use any of my gifts to pour back into others. <clears throat> so I felt this incredible debt that I owed to the people that got me there. My mother was a philanthropist and she never made more than $35,000 a year, but she always was giving back and I grew up like that. Mm -hmm. So I just kind of returned back to my center and then that's when everything started to click. So brother, you just, look, I need to rewind for one second because you dropped something so smooth <laughs> okay. and so easy. You said, so I met the, the Russell family and built relationship and then kind of kept moving, right? Huh. You don't get to build relationship with the Russell family just on accident. I need to know, like, how did you build relationship? We got a lot of young people out here who um, the relationships are their keys to getting that kind of quantum leap in their, in, in, in their businesses. And they don't know how to build those types of relationships they've never been in the room opportunity is not equally distributed to every black entrepreneur listening i want to make sure you have the tools and resources you need to grab your next opportunity that's why i'm telling you about the one million black businesses initiative the one million black businesses initiative is an award-winning program created by shopify and operation hope they're on a mission to start grow and scale 1 million black businesses by 2030 driving wealth creation for the black community out of 6 million employer-owned businesses in the u.s only 2.3 percent have black ownership this program gives black entrepreneurs tools and resources to level the playing field from free business coaching to tailored training and an extended free Shopify trial. Shopify has made a 10-year, multi-million dollar commitment to the program, and it's working. The initiative already started, supported, and engaged with over 334,000 black businesses, helping them operate businesses that sell anything from skateboards to coffee beans to apparel. Business owners love this program. Simone Harvin, founder of SC Creative Group, says... The one million black businesses experience for me was unlike any other program I've been a part of, primarily because it was for us and it was by us. Chart your own path for business success with the one million black businesses initiative and Shopify. Bring your business to Shopify with an exclusive offer at Shopify.com slash black print, all lowercase. Go to Shopify.com slash black print. 
with those types of people. How are you able to build a relationship with the Russell family? You know, it's, um, I think business moves at the speed of relationships. And um, I think one of the greatest lessons I ever learned is be authentic. Mm. Um, if we can't be authentic, you're never presenting yourself as the real and true person that you are. So you'll never be able to build an authentic relationship. But Atlanta's a little unique. Atlanta's kind of like a small town wrapped around tall buildings. Mm. And, you know, we get, you know, especially families like the Russells, you'll see them at the grocery store. Like the way that I met Mr. Russell, uh, he had built or rebuilt Pascal's restaurant and reimagined the brand. And every day he would eat lunch in there. Mm. And every day I knew that and I'd go in and I'd say hello because he would sit in the same booth and he would ask me to sit down and have a conversation. Kid, he didn't know from Adam. Mm. And Atlanta does have a certain specialness about it still. Mm -hmm. And so that relationship just started to continue over time. And, uh, but no, man, I think that's part of the magic of the city and why I think that we'll be one of the most consequential cities of the next century. Mm -hmm. uh, because people can still be nice for no economic reason here. Mm -hmm. And there's still this notion of what it means to be community. Uh, I just think the cost of perception sometimes kills our community, but we can get back to it. Who is the Russell family? You know, if you're black and doing business in Atlanta, you have to, to say thank you to the Russell family. Uh, Herman Russell was one of the most prolific entrepreneurs this city ever produced. There's mm. a brother that integrated this chamber of commerce at the city and the state level. Mm. Built a $400 million organization 50 years ago. Um, and even as we start to get into the work that I do now, you got to put it in context. Think of a black man 78 years ago. Mm. Jim Crow segregated racist South where there were still documented lynchings of black men for thinking too much of themselves. Mm. This brother had the audacity to build a headquarter building that's a full city block wide and 50,000 square feet with his name on it, mm H.J. -hmm. Russell and Company. Mm -hmm. uh, but he built it intentionally on a hill directly across the street from Morehouse, Clark, Spelman, Morris, Brown, and ITC, because back then you couldn't go to Duke or UGA or Georgia Tech. So he knew as those students matriculated from all over the world to go to the best schools available for black people, they needed to see the physical manifestation of what was possible for them. So he built his headquarters on a hill overlooking those campuses. When you talk about exposure, they'd see it every day. Even today, long after his death, H.J. Russell & Company were still the largest black-owned construction firm in the country. Exactly. Uh, you go into most airports in America, like if you fly out of Atlanta today, the B Concourse, thank the Russell family, because anything that you spend money with is within that concourse. So it's an incredible legacy. Uh, and, and one of my personal mantras is, is plant seeds that will grow trees mm -hmm. whose shade you may never sit under. Mm -hmm. I am sitting in his shade and intentionally was able to kind of grab on a branch of that tree, mm -hmm. but it's a real thing, my brother. Mm -hmm. We are very much at revolt, uh, very similar about this idea about reinvesting in our community and believing that this is the moment in time for us to leverage our collective power, oh, our collective resources to build us up. And I love that you are doing it. Of course, I expect nothing less. Do you have a story for me? So, you know, um, it's one way to talk at kind of like a high level. I'm trying to figure out if we can bring it down to a very concrete level. Is there a story of an entrepreneur of a company that you guys were able to touch that mm. you're extremely proud of that you can tell? You know, there's there's during the pandemic, um, I was really upset when I started to read the headline saying that 86% of black businesses would evaporate because of COVID-19. I took offense to that. Mm. But more than three days later, I got a phone call from one of our entrepreneurs, the actual contractor that's building our center, 
almost in tears because overnight in one phone call, they lost 78% of their business, gone. And there was no, you know, landscape of when it would come back, back to relationships. Um, and I can even say it, the company's chase, and I give them, you know, a lot of kudos for this. Uh, I knew the guy that did real estate development for Chase Bank. Mm. I gave him a call and I said, I got a contractor that's world class. He's got all the bonding. He just needs an opportunity. He's ready for an opportunity. Mm. They had a conversation and brother, within six months, this company who had lost 11 million in revenue overnight had picked up $27 million in revenue, building branches throughout the Southeast. Get out. And so because of that relationship and because of that access that the center was able to provide, this company was able to weather the storm. More than weather. (laughs) Our job is to create the platform that gets companies at a point of readiness to do business at the next level, whatever that means for them. Mm -hmm. And when we can prove that they're ready, giving them the access to fly. Mm -hmm. And so any entrepreneur, you know, that's part of my dream when I first sat in the middle because the other part of our story is we're, we've only been doing this three and a half years. Right, so started. we've raised a little north of $43 million in two and a half years. Uh, we've gone from one employee to north of 18. Mm-hmm. Uh, we serve 200 entrepreneurs full time and 4,000 in our network and we're just getting started. Mm-hmm. And so any entrepreneur and part of the vision that led us to this point is I was like, we will win when there's a family in Nebraska. Mm-hmm that has a dream and wants to start a business and around their dinner table, they say something like, baby, if we want this to work, we got to get to Atlanta mm-hmm. and we got to get to the Russell Center. So, you know, we're not just the type of people who talk about it. We want to be about it. We just had a great <laughs> conversation um, around the power of entrepreneurship and around the power of black entrepreneurs. I have a conversation outside with two entrepreneurs who are connected to Chase and a part of Chase's advancing black entrepreneurship program. Mm-hmm. I would love to take you out there and have a conversation. Maybe there's a world where there's a connection between them and rights. That's you know how what it mean? Brother, I look forward to it. All right, let's get it. My man. Thank you, brother. Yes, sir. sitting with my man Jay Bailey today. Uh, You can't have a conversation with the man who is building the definitive center for black entrepreneurship globally without also talking to black entrepreneurs. And so we wanted to have a conversation with two amazing black entrepreneurs who also happen to be a part of Chase's Advancing Black Entrepreneurship Program. And so Jonathan, Tracy, it is such an honor to have you here. I would love for you to introduce yourself to the people and tell them about your business. You know, we want to shine a spot. Light on you. I'm Tracy Nicole. I'm a fashion designer based right here in Atlanta, born and raised in Decatur. Where is greater? <laughs> <laughs> so I have a clothing line for women and men now who have confidence, take pride in their clothing, and juggle work, life, and play. I want to make it easy for them. Cool. I'm Jonathan Brown. I'm the CEO and founder of Project Casting. Uh, We're like the social network for the entertainment industry, uh, but emphasizing on jobs. So say if you're a filmmaker, an actor, model, influencer, and you're looking for opportunities, you can find that on Project Casting. Uh, We launched two years ago our platform, and we have over 500,000 users, and we haven't spent a single dollar on advertising. Talk about it. Do you also have a consultant at Chase? I've worked with, um, I gained a mentor, Shay, um, at Chase Bank, and 
they made me feel like family. They made me feel human. Mm. And I worked with every bank you can imagine, mm. um, accounts here and there. Mm. It was a courtship. And um, they won my business. And it was a relationship that was genuine. And I felt like they really actually care. They're teaching me things. They're telling me, okay, we can do this. And they actually follow through and do it, like yes. building business credit and getting lines of credit mm -hmm. and things like that, things that businesses need, small businesses, mm -hmm. to, to survive. I think for myself, uh, just a couple of months ago, uh, transactions were failing on our platform. So we run a subscription-based business, and on the recurring transactions, they were, getting, they were failing 90% of the time. Mm -hmm. so I'm calling my merchant account, I'm calling uh, my payment processor, and they're not responding. Mm. They don't know what's going on, they're giving me bad advice. So then that I'm means like, you can't make money. I'm making no money. In less than an hour, he put me in contact with a banker, put me in contact with a merchant account, and we project, after we complete our subscription migration, at least a 60% increase in revenue. You know, I don't think, for any entrepreneur, it is tough out there. It is a struggle to wake up every day and try and complete to work on a dream. But when you have a support network and have a mentorship, you know, you can walk into the business, you can wake up every day confident and know that you can succeed and take your business to the next level. I love that. All right, I love his answer. You, you got one? Is there, do you have a story about we wouldn't have been able to do X if it was not for Chase? So they helping us launch our businesses into the next stratosphere. I do, um, and it was a rough road with Chase, but they held my hand through trying to get more capital for my business. Mm. Um, I've had my clothing line for nine years, which is um, very long for a fashion brand. Mm -hmm. And I got to this sweet spot where it was maintaining. Mm. And I want to scale, and I'm, I'm still at that, there's no ceiling for me. Mm. And so I went to Chase, how can you help me scale? You can't scale without money. Mm. And so. Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I want the money. Yeah. Let me know how to get to the money. <laughs> you know, let's cut the small talk. How do I get to the money? How to use the credit by paying it and increasing the credit. And just, the, it's a dance. Mm -hmm. It's a dance that they taught me how to, to play that I'm still playing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, and the more I play it, the more I gain financially, not just on the credit side, but on the business side. So now I can take on bigger deals because I get inventory. I can only buy as much inventory as I can afford. Mm -hmm. The more inventory I have, the more money I can make. Mm -hmm. The more inventory I purchase, the more I can negotiate the prices. Mm -hmm. So I can get that profit margin even bigger. Mm -hmm. Now I'm switching and going to this. So now we're scaling, ready? Mm -hmm. Tracy, how are you helping your business scale? I'm helping my business scale by dreaming bigger, thinking bigger, taking on bigger projects. 80% um, of my business is online, mm -hmm. thankfully, through the pandemic. And my goal is to get in spas all over the world. Come on, the only way that I can fulfill those type of orders is with capital. Mm. So that's where Chase comes in. Mm -hmm. They're teaching me how to build this banking relationship so that we can grow for the longevity. Because the scale, you know, there's no ceiling. 
Jay, you are helping entrepreneurs dream big every day, mm. which means helping entre black entrepreneurs scale every day. Do you have any advice or thoughts for black entrepreneurs as they are thinking about scaling their business? You know, I think one of the things that we don't talk about enough is the customer. Um, you can't grow without somebody buying what you sell. And, uh, you know, one of our, our takes is that, uh, and I, I told you a story earlier, when customers come in many forms, mm -hmm. Chase Bank was a customer of one of our entrepreneurs that led to a multi-million dollar increase in their revenue year over year. Mm -hmm. um, and so if, it look, if we're looking at contracts, be it direct to consumer, be it in the government, if it's business to business, um, we focus a lot on customer discovery and understanding who that customer is mm -hmm. and connecting those companies with that customer that will buy their thing. And to Tracy's point, once we've identified who the customer is, because one of the things we don't talk about, businesses can grow themselves out of business. Mm. And this is what I'm loving hearing from both of them about the Advancing Black Entrepreneurs Program by Chase, that you just told me that you had a call that you could make. When things got tight, there was someone that I could reach out to, and that's really encouraging. All right, so one of the things that you just talked about is, is, is the challenges of being an entrepreneur. We talked about scaling can be a challenge, but I think black entrepreneurs often have very specific challenges. Can you talk to some of the challenges that you face as a black entrepreneur trying to do what you're doing? I was initially um, introduced to Chase Bank um, through one of their branch managers, Kevin. Um, about my nonprofit. Mm. So I got into that place where I wanted there to be purpose behind my brand. And so I went to Chase asking for sponsorship for my nonprofit. That led to me being introduced to the Advancing Black Entrepreneurs Program because we started talking about business. And I'll tell anyone when when they started talking about the resources, the mentorship, those type of things, it's more valuable than cutting a check. Mm. And so when I hear about the Rice Center and the things that they do, people don't realize the resources are the biggest challenge. Mm -hmm. As a fashion designer, knowing what manufacturers, all manufacturers don't manufacture everything. Mm -hmm. You can't get all fabrics in the U.S. <clears throat> And if you're dealing with overseas, how do you deal with that? Mm -hmm. So if someone says, look, I'm going to offer you this check or I'm going to offer you this mentor, I'm going to choose the mentor mm -hmm. all day long because that's what's going to help me to, to grow. That's what's going to help me to sustain my business, mm -hmm. not just the check. You know, Chase is a part of our story. One of the first people to say yes when we had this crazy idea of the Russell Center, we were nothing but a gutted out building with wires hanging down, mm -hmm. was Chase Bank. Um, the people, is they make the difference. We got family with Chase. Mm -hmm. And so, so much so that when you visit the center, and I know that you guys have, and I hope that you continue to, we have our Chase Lounge mm -hmm. uh, that's beautifully appointed with black art, black furniture, uh, and it looks as nice as any center that you'll see in the world, mm -hmm. but it's by us, for us, and partnered and powered by Chase. But it's not just the edifice of the building. You see the different community bankers coming in and hosting entrepreneurs and talking about how they grow. So Chase is as much a part of our journey as a center as any other institution. And so what I do want to end with is to our two entrepreneurs, as we talk about the importance of placemaking and having a home and having that continuous support, I'd like to invite
invite both of you to join us as stakeholders at the Russell Center where we're creating this community, this culture, this covenant to support. We're building it for you. We're building it for the entrepreneurs that dream big, for the entrepreneurs that see a pathway to success and are feeding their families this way. Uh, Detavio, thank you for having the opportunity, but I want to extend that, that invitation to the both of you to come join our family. Let's go make something special happen in Atlanta. I'm not the type of person to kind of push any brand. I'm only trying to talk about the brands that are helping our community. And what you heard here is there's resources, there's advisory services, there's networking. You can find them at Chase. You can find them at rice. You can find them in the rice uh, lounge, which is the chase, chase lounge, lounge. <laughs> which is a safe and a holy space. And so there are no excuses, black people. The world is ours for the taking. Let's be bold. Let's be courageous. Let's go get this economic wealth and lift our communities up. My name is Detavio Samuels. This is the Black Print. Thank you to my guests, Jonathan, Tracy, my man, Jay. Thank you for being here. McDonald's fries. So yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. -ba -ba.